welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another year. I think this is episode 245. And we are the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics on Australian rugby. I'm Reg Robertson. Happy New Year to all our listeners on this, our first show of 2017. We'd love to have you back. Uh, also very pleased to have back, uh, two of the usual culprits in Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Mate, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Great to have you. And Hugh Cavill, how are you, Hugh? I'm, I'm good, Reg. I'm good. Um, not sure if I'm quite ready to get into it yet. I mean, it seems like only a few weeks ago we did our last one of these. I don't know where the, where the summer's gone. But, yeah, can uh, you, I've been looking in the clause for the, in, in our CBA, our collective bargaining agreement about our required time off in the off-season. It seemed pretty short this year. Yeah, I think it's worse than the French off-season. I mean, I thought that, I thought that was pretty bad, but this is approaching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we need a mad uh, comic book millionaire to take us over and look after us, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hanging out for that, actually. That, that's my business. <laughs> that that is the title of the, of the business plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> I need some crazy French billionaire um, to drop a bit of cash. That's that's in the business plan. All right. So, so it has been the off-season, lads, albeit a short one, and we, we all need it to some degree. But now the Super Rugby teams are, at least are back well and truly into pre-season. But what about you guys, okay? What was your podcasting pre-season, Hugh? What did it entail? Well, look, I, I was going back and listening to some old podcasts from, from last year and I actually found that my sort of quality of analysis and, and contributions really dipped off in the back half, the back sort of 20 minutes of every podcast. So I've, I've actually spent some time in Colorado, actually, at a sort of a high-altitude podcasting uh, camp there. And, and uh, you know, the thinner air means that your voice travels a bit faster and you, you uh, really have to react to uh, what other people are saying more. And it's really, I think, helped with my... Uh, sort of um, stamina, so look look for me to be sort of finishing off stronger this year in, in 2017 in every podcast. You do sound stronger, Hugh. It's impressive. I look to see if it sustains. Yeah. <laughs> Has your girlfriend noticed the difference too, mate? If you're staying on longer and finishing stronger? <laughs> uh, that's a different count. Okay. Right? Uh, two, yeah, I've, I've been at that a few times, but uh, no, <laughs> nothing, nothing to speak of yet. <laughs> What about you, Matt? What what have you been up to? Well, mate, look, I just felt that, um, yeah, I'd lost a little bit of um, my uh, baiting ability, I thought, at the end of last year. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I needed to you know, probably brush up on some of my best subjects, like a bit of Quade Cooper, um, a bit of Scotty Higgers. Um, and then, <laughs> then I realised they've all got into the same team. Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I've got a perfect <laughs> season coming ahead. So I've just been going back over some of the old tapes trying to relearn how I used to... <laughs> Steve people. Moore, you're a big Steve Moore fan, yeah? Yeah, no, actually, yeah, as well. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give Bob Dwyer a call because uh, I think he likes basing those uh, fans as well. So, yeah, I'll be ready to bring it for 2017. Good to hear, mate. That's good. Well, look, look from my perspective, I'm, I'm kind of like that star schoolboy lock, you know, who signed his first professional contract straight out of school and training with the Super Rugby team. So it's fair to say I've just been spending my time bulking up. So um, I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, but now, look, I saw through social media, though, mate, that you were going the other way, weren't you? So you were doing Yeah, that, mate, that I am, in thing. fact. So Peter Fitz, it's going well, the, the sugar-free diet. So um, I know there's a few of us uh, gagaites out there doing it. So it's uh, surprisingly... And, and quite successful so far. So, yeah, let's see how long it lasts. Oh, More hot days like this, mate. I'm going to need a few beers, though. It's, it's a, that's the challenging part, mate. It's, it's a terrible. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not sure Fitzy needed even any more publicity there, but um, no. <laughs> he's absolutely everywhere. But it's, uh, it's good to hear you getting stuck in. That's great. 
Yeah, we are, mate. All right, but we've got to get on to it, guys. This is not uh, the uh, Grin and Gold Diet podcast. This is the rugby show, and we are once again with our five burning questions. Um, and tonight, this is what we've come up with, so we'll rip through them first before we uh, start digging into them. So first and foremost, Sydney Sevens on the weekend. What was the highlight of the, uh, of the weekend? Number two, uh, the Brisbane Global Tens are on this weekend, and we've got Toulon, or, or Toulon arriving in the morning, and the Chiefs are here, and, and all these teams from across the globe coming here to play Tens at Suncorp on Saturday uh, and Sunday. Uh, can it match the Sydney Sevens? Uh, question three. Can I what excites you, you there, most? About- can I stop you? Yeah, mate. We've, we've got a new rugby regis in there. Toulon. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I that was a cracker. The, is it Tamane? Is, is Joe that's Tamane? Where, that's Joe, where, that's Joe, where Joe, Joe Tamone plays for. Joe Tamone. Face at Toulon. That's why I combine it with Toulouse. Um, so what excites you about the season ahead? Question four. They, uh, you've just announced this women's national seven circuit. Can that be a success for the game in Australia? And finally, this past week we have heard about Benny Barber going to Toulon. We have heard about Matt Gitto leaving Toulon and Adam Ashley Cooper leaving Bordeaux. Where do you think you'll, they'll be in 12 months' time? So good questions there, guys, for a pre-season. Uh, let's go straight to the Sydney Sevens. Both of you lads were there. I know that well and truly. So, Matt, let's get straight into you. What was the highlight of the weekend for you? Oh, well, look, you know, it's a, it is a great event, even though both years so far it's been absolutely roasting hot. Um, it was, I think it topped out, well, in, in the sort of inner city at about high 30s yesterday. It got into the mid-40s um, out west. So it was absolutely roasting hot for anyone who didn't know. Um, just, It's just, it's a great event. Um, you've got to know how to pace yourself. Um, so we figured out uh, from last year that you need to kind of maybe even book somewhere for lunch and then come back on, if, you, if you're going to try and do it because a yeah, whole day and that, that sort of heat is just not doable. Um, look, I thought um, Aussie men, they, they did. I think they surprised us. They did... Um, Really, really well. It kind of fell apart against the Saffirs in the semi. Um, I thought they could have done much better in that game, actually. They, uh, a, a little bit of iffy refing, but I think they lost their discipline and, and you can't survive on a sevens pitch um, down a man for very long and they actually lost two. Um, but otherwise, I thought their defence was really good, actually. I thought last year their defence was a bit iffy. Um, and this year they looked really, really good. Some young guys there I've never seen before in my life playing really well mm. uh, and, and surprising um, some, some of the other teams. So that was really good, although I've got to say my own personal highlight was... So I turned up um, and, and uh, to sit with um, a bunch of mates, a bunch of Gagarites, and um, sat down, and it was like you know midday, and it was mid-30s, um, and we were sat in the sun. Um, absolutely baking and so we sat down there dripping with sweat and then four people turned up because there's a lot of fancy dress four people turned up dressed as Mexicans riding uh, donkeys um, you know what I mean? okay yeah, and, yeah yep. so the donkey bit which is kind of from the waist down was oh no it was velvet right it was grey yeah. velvet and then not only that, you had like the, the head of the donkey was like then all, you know, like stuffed animals. So that was like wearing yeah. a doona, basically. Then they had this big, thick poncho on and then, and their sombrero oh. was made out of velvet. And they were wearing <laughs> um, big, thick mustaches. So these oh. four people came in 
And they sat in front of us. Anyway, they sat down. They're all excited. And they're up and dancing, um, you know, for the couple of tunes to start with. And then when the first try was scored, they're, like, jumping up in their seats. Anyway, a few minutes later, next try gets scored. They don't get up out of their seats. <laughs> and then at the end of that match, they kind of disappeared, and that was it. I didn't see them. Um, so there you go. If you're going to – I mean, what you need, I think, actually, um, it's better to dress as probably a, um, a gay policeman, wouldn't you say, Hugh? <laughs> well, apparently um, helps with the yeah. deadline. <laughs> it helped with a lot of things, actually. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, that that was um, that was my get up uh, on the Saturday. I was there with a, a group of mates, and it was um, yeah. Look, it, it was it was great fun. I thought the um, the heat probably took the edge off the crowd a little bit uh, last year. That I think it, it probably it got a little bit rowdy. Which was, you know, I think it was it was pretty manageable, and I don't think there was any major problems. But um, this year, it felt like it was a little bit more um, subdued, and I think um, the fact that it was, um, yeah, uh, pretty much unbearable in the sun, which was about half the ground, um, was yeah, <laughs> was a bit of a hard situation. But you know what? It, it was it was it's a great experience as a fan, you know, and it was even better this year with I think, you know, as I said on Twitter, kudos to the guys at. Um, the SCG trusts and Allianz Stadium, who really sort of um, upped their game from last year and put on some more more bar facilities and more um, you know different sort of drinks and frozen cocktails and um, all of these great facilities for, for for the punters. And it meant that you didn't have to queue up for a beer; you could come in and come in and out of the stadium as you pleased. And you know, I, I wandered around and saw a few different people and watched from a few different parts of the ground. And you know, I think after about four or five hours, I'd pre- I was I was pretty much cooked. Uh, in the day, but um, geez, it's non-stop too. The sevens is always something on, and, and they kept it really entertaining. So I, I concur with Matt that the highlight for me was was the performance of the men's team, and especially that um, game against Scotland and into the game against Wales, which were two really impressive performances from you know two teams that we probably shouldn't be beating with the way that our side is at the moment. And um, I thought, uh, geez, that um, Tim Anstey come come out of oh, nowhere. He's it. incredible. Yep. Uh, impressed by Tate McDermott. Mick Adams is is good. Charlie Taylor is playing well too. So yeah, there's a there's a bit of a future there. You got you got to think. So um, that that was that, a highlight. Yeah, and I think Anstey might have been around the squad last year, maybe or, or you know popped up earlier. But those four names you just mentioned, you know, weren't a part of the squad, you know, much last year at all. Particularly those last three. I thought. The Aussies were great, and I know I did the preview, and I pretty much wrote them off. That win against Scotland, and Scotland have been one of the form teams of this of the World Series so far in the previous three tournaments. So um, to knock them off as thoroughly as we did was it was an awesome effort by the by the men, and it'll be interesting the next tournament. I think it's in Vegas when uh, the guys like Ed Jenkins and, and um, Jesse Parahai and a few of the more experienced lads make the way back, and exactly who makes the squad. So uh, fascinating. Um, that's great, guys. It's great to hear that it's a successful event. And I think you both, at least Saturday and Sunday, were sold out. Um, it's always a tough gig with the Sevens. It's such a long day. Are they all there at the same time ever? But it was a, at least every ticket was sold. Well, that's right. And I, I think you look at that Saturday, and, and the games went from 9am till 9pm. And that's given the, the, t- the heat the way it was, I think you know you, probably most people had between three and five hours in them, you know, and that's a long time any, anywhere, you know. So you, a lot of people probably would have done the early part and some people would have come for the late part. And so, you know, I don't think you're ever getting more than 25,000 people in the thing at well, the one time because of the way. And, and also people, there was a big crowd out the back and, 
and you know, um, going and getting drinks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, look, I mean, uh, the low light, I suppose, if we've got a touch on it, Reg, if, if uh, I'll segue into the performance of the women's team, which was, yeah. um, I've got to say, pretty disappointing. I went to, on the Friday um, for the first time, obviously, extending to a three-day event and having the women's pool matches on the Friday. Um, and the crowd was pretty light, but um, given, I think, the popularity of Saturday and Sunday, a lot of people were would have been going to one or both of those days, and I think probably th- felt like that... Uh, they didn't need to go on Friday. I think in, in future years they'll try and build that up. There was only about 5,000 people. But, um, yeah, the, look, the women sort of scratched through their pool games well enough, and, and I thought they were, they were going to build, but um, came up against Canada in the semis and um, really was, a, was a, um, a very average performance from them, and they had a lot of ball and, and uh, should have beaten Canada by 20 or 30, I thought. But uh, just their, their basic skills were letting them down. And so I think they admitted in the post-match, obviously a bit overawed by the home crowd and the expectation. And they've been building up to this for so long that I wonder if it just uh, if it just took its toll a little bit and, and they tried to force it in, in that semi-final. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. It was pretty disappointing. I guess on the flip side, a couple of things from that female tournament. It was great to see Elia Green back out there. She's just such a... A wonderful player to watch, and, and you know, if the men had a bit of that speed out wide, um, you know, we would have finished a lot more chances that we didn't get. But Green was fantastic. Uh, you know, it was good to see some of those different countries come on board. I think um, you know, the, the the final of the women's USA Canada was the first time uh, in ages that either Australia or New Zealand weren't in the final, so that was a, a great for them. But I, across the men's and women's, I thought you know, the likes of it's great to see PNG out there. Um, running around, and the Russians and the women were fantastic. I think they had a few good performances in the men's too, but you know, it's really showing that this is a great development sport for the game. It's just, as the discussion we had last year with Matt, is, is whether that evolves to 15s, but maybe in some countries it doesn't need to. Maybe it's just a 7s niche, but it's, uh, it was good to see that, uh, that some of those new countries are taking the world stage. Well, look, and maybe as a segue into our next question... Um, I tell you what was also good is actually the last game I watched because it was at the end of the semis on Sunday was the um, oh, what do they call them the classic oh, the classics yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that, that, was, oh, that was that was good wasn't it that, that was, was impressive by the classics actually. exactly I thought oh here we go it's going to be a lot of drop pill and you know and and slow old blokes and it wasn't at all I tell you everyone just took a sharp intake of breath when they saw the dark shark big Lottie Takiri he's a big boy now <laughs> um, well see so with that one last year they had a a Legends game, and it was pretty hastily organised, and there was no real control over what was going on. I think they, the, and it was New South Wales, Queensland, and it finished with 11 players against 13. They just started running onto the yeah, field. I remember that, yeah. And, uh, and, and it was really slow and old, and they obviously hadn't trained, and they were trying. So, And, I, and this time, credit to Stephen Hoyles, because I know he was the one that was organising it, um, and this classic Wallabies, which is a sort of concept they're, they're trying to develop, and, and um, they... they uh, put a lot of effort into it behind the scenes, getting Fiji and getting the Fijians out here um, and getting the, the classic Wallabies. And I think they did train a little bit. And, and it did show because it, it was fun to watch a sort of... They were trying to do fun stuff and throw flick passes and, and be creative and, and be fun with it. And, and uh, I think that's got a place, um, you know, away from the competitive, very... You know, Sevens is quite formulaic when, when, the, when the big guns play it and, and they're very... You know, they play a very similar way. So when you see a group of guys that are still pretty skillful but can break it down and try and have some fun with it, um, I thought it was really good to watch. Yeah, I mean, they had a, the right smattering of guys who were just young enough that to inject a bit of pace. Like Luke Burgess did a great job. Um, 
uh, kind of running around like a like a madman, like he always has. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. And then Big Radiki Samo was playing for Fiji <laughs> uh, at the age of fifty three. Uh, but you know that was so that was really good. No, I mean yeah, I, as you say, Hugh, I think they obviously put a bit more into that. But um, I guess we'll see a bit more of that um, at the ten. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's move on to that. So, obviously, the Brisbane Global Tens are on this weekend at Suncorp, and, and um, it's the first time the tournament's been run, so we've obviously got uh, the five Aussie Super Rugby teams, the five Kiwi Super Rugby teams. Then we've got Toulon coming over. They, like I said, they arrive tomorrow morning. Uh, one of the New Zealand teams, Robbie Deans', uh, Deans is, uh, sorry, Japanese team, the Wild Knights, which features Berwick Barnes and Dan Heenan. Um, we've got the Blue Bulls from South Africa. We've got Samoa as a team and uh, one other team I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but uh, so really interesting format. So um, there's a lot of all the Super Rugby teams are in town at the moment uh, in South East Queensland, at least playing trials as well. The Force and Rebels are playing a trial down the Gold Coast as we speak and there's more this week at Ballymore and then it all culminates in this weekend. Uh, nice little adjunct into it is, is those Aussie teams or at least a few of them have named wild cards. So Lottie Dekiri will be turning out for the Waratahs and Latham's for the Reds and um, Steve Larkman, Andrew Walker for the uh, for the Brumbies and Morgan Turanui for the uh, for the Rebels and then Peter Grant obviously uh, was for the Force but he's pulled out so but it's um, it's it's an interesting combination I, I mean you, you've had you're in the industry you've had a lot to do with the Sevens what do you think about this format and, and any feel from down there is uh, the level of excitement or do you reckon they could match the Sevens oh look I don't think it can match the Sevens I, I think um, the Sevens is a global brand that, that has you know came into Sydney on the back of you know, a little bit of failure in the Gold Coast and Adelaide, but certainly that Hong Kong, you know, Dubai, London, the Sevens is pretty strong around the world, and it sort of is a shorthand for everyone, you know, gets dressed up and has a good time, and it's about the off-field as much as it is the on-field. Uh, the Tens, I think, is a um, is a bit of a test balloon, and I think um, no one quite knows what to expect, but they don't have that, you know, brand to, to piggyback off like the Sydney Sevens does. So, I, I, look... I worry a little bit about this this event because I feel like it's going to fall. You know what what it was pitched to be when it was announced was this sort of all star every you know, big name you can possibly imagine heading to heading to uh, Brisbane for this exciting new format. And when in the back of our mind, I think anyone who knows rugby knows that you know those big names aren't going to be playing a preseason event like this, or you know if they are, they're going to be out for five minutes and then signing autographs the rest of the day. That's just how preseason works, always has, and 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 it always will. So all of those promises about the big names never really rung true and, and sure enough they've all start you know they've all the teams have been named and, and really there's very few big names going to be there and then you combine that with a ticketing policy that you know we've discussed it on the forum a bit where you know it's you can only buy a two-day pass and i'm not sure whether that's changed recently reg but no, you know you can only case, buy a two-day pass and that you know a good you know if you want to watch from a reasonable vantage point it's going to cost you upwards of 140 bucks so, you know, that, that's an interesting approach considering what Sydney Sevens did in their first year was prices at 30 bucks, and it was all general admission and you could come in and have it. And if you wanted a reserved seat, it was 40 bucks, um, and you got a really good seat on halfway. So, and of course, that was a successful formula. It filled the ground because, you know, everyone came and they bought a mate or two because it was so cheap. And it was... 
yeah. getting policy, Reg, whether they're going to get uh, any more than the real diehards. And, and, you know, certainly students and families, it makes it really hard for them. And, and if you can only buy a two-day pass, then they could hypothetically sell out the ground but only have 20,000 there each day or 25,000 there each day because people are probably only going to go to one of the two days. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be interested I, to see what, what's your perspective up there. Is the mood in, in Brisbane, is it, is it sort of picking up for the tens? It seems everywhere, mate. I mean, there's plenty of branding around the place. It's all through the city, and that's as much through the, the event partners in Brisbane Marketing and Tourism Events Queensland. So it's very everywhere. It's very in your face, and they've got a big week planned this week, and I... You know, like I said, the teams start arriving, or they're already here um, in Brisbane, and they're quite present, and they're really engaging with the community. Um, there's a massive fan day all day at South Bank on Friday. Um, they're all off to Clubland on this week. I know um, my local club has actually got the Reds coming to them, so that's pretty awesome. The, the kids are, you know, super excited about that. So they're really doing well at engaging with that. They've, you know, they've, they've marketed well. The, the talk of the crowds is what I'm hearing 30 to 35,000, which actually both, you know, sort of surprises me. Yeah, yeah, it surprises me. And, I, you know, I'll be interested to see if that's the case. But like you say, 35,000, it could be... 15,000 one day, you know, we were going to go, I was going to take my boys as part of a birthday present, but we play, they play cricket all day Saturday, so they can't go Saturday, and I'm not going to buy a two-day pass just to go Sunday, because um, I don't get paid enough for this this podcast gig, so, you know, it's it's a bit of a challenge for that, so, you know, big crowds, hotels are full here, apparently, the hotels are full, so there seems to be some positive impact from it, ticketing strategies odd, the marketing thing's strange. You know, they've been promoting McKenzie and Dag. Uh, uh, you know, they're all the faces of it and Corabidi and Cooper and, and they've all pulled out. So none of those guys are playing. Um, uh, Falau's the face of it and he will remain. I've got no doubt he'll be up here. But like you say, Hugh, how much he actually plays, um, you'd, you'd be surprised if it's much more than a bit of a game. And the other thing, you talk about the heat down in Sydney and I don't know what it got to, but it's meant to be 35 on Saturday and 37 on Sunday. So... Um, it's going to be pretty intense conditions for it. You know, uh, the rugby community, I've spoken to a lot of mates and a lot of people, and I think the ticketing thing's a really big factor. It's taken a lot of people by surprise. So it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. Matt, you're a bit more distant from it. Did you have much awareness of it? Do you have any sort of inkling as to... Or in, any interest in watching it? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I might tune in for a little bit. I don't know, mate. Um, yeah, it just... Uh, I guess all the press that's been getting lately is that, you know, how many decent quality players are they going to have in there, um, which is unfortunate. And I had no idea about that ticketing bit. That's, that really feels like, a oh, yeah. of, that feels like a bit of a bungle, doesn't it? Um, but look, I hope they get it going. It'd be great if, you know, and these things, it's, it's probably going to take a year or two for it to, you know, to, to get a move on if it's going to go. Um, but, you know, they're going to have Taloon there. So, you know, that's... <laughs> um, big, all the big names a good, yeah a good global brand um, I don't know mate we'll have to have a look and, and, and see how it gets on I, I've got to say I mean now that we've had two years of this sort of that that sort of temperature really does pull back on the sevens here mm. in Sydney um, obviously you're going to be looking at something fairly similar up there as well and mm. it makes it a pretty hard day out um, mm. and I mean what I find interesting is I mean maybe you've got some theories on this one Hugh but just you know, now there's talk of Wellington losing their sevens because it's basically empty now, I think. Um, and I just wonder if if every city gets a bit of fatigue. You know, like it's, oh, look, the sevens are here um, and you turn up for, I don't know, a handful of years and then people's interest wanes. And if it's, the, you know, if it's 
shooting for you know high thirties. Um, I don't know how many times you want to go back to that. Oh, a hundred percent right, Matt. I think I think uh, you know, with the exception of Hong Kong, which is you know got some pretty you know situational factors that make it the strength year after year after year. Um, I think every, this does have a shelf life, and Wellington, I think, now in their twelfth or thirteenth year, and you know, peaked probably ten years ago, and has been on the wane for about the last six. So I think Sydney is—it's on a four-year contract at the moment. So it's that's the second year of the four, and I think you'd see, you know, um, by the end of the fourth year, it, you might see it start to wane. And I don't think it'll be Wellington level, you know, emptiness. But I think if, if I were the ARU, I'd certainly be looking to move it on sooner rather than later, you know, and I think Melbourne's a great place for it. Again, you know, give it to Melbourne for two or three years, take it to Brisbane for two years, take it to Perth for a year, like make it a travelling roadshow because it's it's clear that if you get it in the right spot, then people are going to go for it, you know, it's and I think the Sydney Sevens has really reinvigorated the success of the brand and, and Sevens in Australia and, the and you know, you put, throw the women in and what the Olympics has done to it. I think you, you're, um, you know, it's... AAU is sitting on a gold mine, and so I think Sydney's got a few, two or three or four even years in it. But um, yeah, it, it it might look to move soon. But back to the tens, Reg. Uh, the one thing I think is going to be a positive, and switching it onto a more of a rugby focus, is is to build a bit of preseason hype. Because one of the things that Super Rugby's always struggle with is that you know, to the credit of the franchises and the spreading of the game, but they go and play these trials in Wagga Wagga and in bloody, you know, up in far north Queensland and, you know, in, in the back blocks of, you know, somewhere down in Victoria and down in Queenbean. And, they, you know, they go and try and spread the game to Tamworth and Armadale or wherever they go. But the thing is, you, the fans of the teams never get to see them do pre-season trials unless you're the, the diehards watching on the shaky web stream yeah. that they put up or whatever. So the ability to to have a a, a really sort of um, a big ticket event where it's tense, so there's a bit more space, so you can really start to see a couple of youngsters coming through and a couple of debutants that you haven't heard of, and these sort of guys, and you can become familiar with them because normally the way it is 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 the first time you see a lot of these players is when they're running out the tunnel in round one, and you and you spend half the game going, geez, who's that? Who's that bloke? Or who's that bloke coming off the bench? And you've never heard of him before. So at least this will help for you know hopefully build some momentum and some storylines into into the you know last week of preseason into round one where you could sort of you know get some more excitement around the teams. Yeah, you're exactly right, and, and that does have a big. It's almost like a season launch. This is the start of it. I know we had the sevens, but this is this is the Super Rugby. These are the internationals and all that sort of stuff. And you know, it's exciting to think. You know, I can't wait to see how much I'll see. I don't know, but the Tongan Thor play. I mean, this is this is made for him. I think set piece is still relatively important, but extra space. This guy's going to love it. Um, a young guy, oh, Lachlan Miranda, the, the signing from uh, the Brisbane Broncos, the, the winger slash fullback. This is his first gig in, in professional rugby played as a school kid. So it's a great chance for that to be done on a you know a really big stage. It's a great story as opposed, like you say, their first touch is all, you know, Miranda's first touch of, of uh, you know, super rugby type rugby could have been in, in Mackay, with all due respect to Mackay people, if it wasn't for this type of event. So it's, um, yeah, it's a great profile thing for the game and, and it's other people's money coming in. Juco Events, who put on the Auckland Nines, uh, you know, are paying for it effectively or 
getting a bit of money from it too. But you know, it's 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 other people's money. It's not the ARU sort of investing, which is always good. You want other people investing in your game. Um, it'll be interesting next year. Let's talk about the Auckland Nines coming to Brisbane and whether the Sydney Sevens move at least weekends and so on. So there's some dynamics next next year. We don't quite know, but this year is a bit of a wait and see, and, and we'll see how the uh, the crowds pull up. And you know, I think. Uh, uh, you know, as Matt alluded to, the, the likes of Latho and, and Lottie deal with uh, 37 degree heat. Um, all right, so let's that's we, you know talked about this being a season launch. Let's go to burning question number three, and and we ask the question simply. Uh, go to you first, Matt. Is is what excites you most about this season ahead? Oh, mate, it's a <laughs> I probably should have Big done. Question. Yeah, I probably should have done more about preseason on this one. Um, yeah, I I think that might be a bit of a problem. Um, in yeah. that I don't know, I've got anything. You know, I have not that I didn't think about it, but you know, I've run my mind over this a couple of times. I mean, look, I think there's going to be there's a bit of a you know reinvented Tars happening. Um, so from that perspective, and that's the first thing on my plate. Um, so seeing that, in you know, and there's a few new combos. It'll be interesting to see those that combo at the Reds. Um, so yeah, I'm, Super Rugby seems to have been long enough away, and we've, we had so much international rugby in the meantime that you know that sort of little local game I'm kind of looking forward to just getting down to. I don't know. I don't think I've got a lot of hope <laughs> um, mm. for many Aussie teams this next year, but um, yeah, that's probably the next one on my on, on my radar. Just you know, get back get back to that old good Super Rugby um, feeling and you know we so we started to um, discover a few good new talents at Super Rugby level last year as well you know like um, you know Jed Holdaway before he had his um, his injury you mm. know, he was carving up so you know so, some names like that seeing them back on the paddock um, and seeing how they go and you know I guess the upside is that one of these especially one of these Super Rugby teams really kind of string it together maybe the Rebels finally you know deliver a full season you know something like that um, you know, and we get a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I'm not saying I'm jumping out of my skin for the Super Rugby season. I guess, you know, I'm hopeful for the resurgent Reds and, and I might talk about that in one of our later podcasts. But there's, you know, there's some things there that pictures are coming through today of George Smith in a Reds jersey and that's just, you know, that's just bizarre to me still. But mm. it'll be fantastic to see him playing again. Yeah, I, I love Quaid and I know you, you give him flat, but I, I do love watching him play. Um, so I look forward to that as well. But I guess the big thing, and I had to look broader than Super Rugby and it definitely wasn't the mid-season Wallaby uh, series in June, um, but it's the reason we're having that series. It's the Lions tour, you know. It's a it's mm. Lions tour to New Zealand. That could be epic, you know. It's um, the New Zealanders are still on top of their game, but uh, you know, if you caught any of the Six Nations on the weekend, there's some you know decent quality rugby out there. Some good players there. That that Lions team, the Lions tour, should be should be sensational. No, you're right. I think you're right. That would definitely that's got to be the highlight of the rugby season, hasn't it? Yeah, and really, um, that that could be some incredible quality. It should. What about you, Hugh? You got your eye on anything? Yeah, look, I've got to be partisan here, I suppose, and, and segueing in a little bit to uh, the uh, Super Rugby trials on the weekend and the form of the New South Wales Waratahs. I mean, they're, they're, they're the January specialists, the February specialists, but uh, geez, they tailed up the Brumbies, and it was a pretty good Brumbies team that they put on the field. It was and a very good Brumbies a, team and a pretty, you know, a, a lot of stars rested from that Waratahs team. It was an interesting result. Yeah, um, and I um, don't know what's happening in the background there, but um, the 
uh, yeah, the, the Waratahs have built this roster, which is pretty deep, and, and they've got that, you know, class, the class edge in Phipps, Foley, and Kepu, and, um, you know, Tom Robertson, and the, you know, these guys that are sort of the spine of the side, and you throw Jed Holloway back, and Araya Simone, and, and, um, some of these really good youngsters coming up, and, and you've still got Reese Robinson who's in good touch, and Cam Clark will be interesting. So, look, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about the Warriors, to be honest, and um, I'm also a little bit excited about the Reds, Reg. I think that they'll be the other team that I think uh, attracts a lot of eyeballs uh, this season, and, and um, yeah, look, it's a bit of a shame about old Higgers, because uh, I think an off-season scandal is the last thing you guys need um, after the last few years you've had up there, but... Um, it's it's still a, a pretty competitive side that you're going to field, and seeing George Smith back in red today, back in Brisbane, was a real thrill. So that'll be a that'll be a fun one to watch as well. And and I, I concur about the Lions. That's the uh, the main attraction of the year. And um, yeah, it's, Bloody, um, it'll it'll be a really good series. Bloody Higginbotham though, hey. So you know the Reds have got this big deal with news, and they're promoting us. And on I think it was a Sunday Mail. They had this great what eight. I think it must have been an eight-page spread on the Reds. It was awesome. Never seen so much coverage of, of the Reds or, or rugby in, in the Courier Mail, which we call the Bronco Mail up here. It was fantastic. And then the next thing later that day, we hear about the story breaks about Higgins, and though the only follow-up the next day will be about Higginbotham getting arrested. So if there is one position we've got a bit of depth in, it's definitely the back row, but it's not the way. And I've, I, this will be a bit off topic, but it'll be interesting to see how Styles as the head coach and uh, Richard Barker, the new CEO, react to this, because this, this will be um, a real statement from the Reds as to whether they're going to uh, be hard-ass on that sort of behaviour or um, just sort of uh, get their best players on the team. So we'll, we'll hear more about that as it comes. Mm. Um, one of the other sort of exciting developments that's happening this year, and it, you know, it's a little bit under the radar, and I'm, I'm not too sure the level it'll come, but it's this new National Women's Uni 7 series. So uh, Aon have come on as a sponsor, um, but it's the ARU have worked on this for a little while. But basically there's an eight-team comp based around universities um, uh, across the country, and they are University of Canberra, University of Adelaide, University of Tasmania, which has got heavy backing from the government, apparently, for this comp, University of New England, Macquarie University, then Bond University up here in Queensland, University of Queensland um, and Griffith University, which are partnering with Sunnybank. So eight teams. I think there'll be four, actually, tournament days. The Aussie girls from the uh, the Australian team will be playing. They'll be split across the clubs. There'll be uh, university students playing and uh, that sort of that in-between level of players as well. Um, don't know about broadcast yet. You'll expect it to be live streamed, but that's it's an interesting development. Hugh, what do you what do you reckon about this, and can it be a success? Oh, look, I think it is. It's going to be a very much um, a bit of a wait and see. I think I think it it definitely can be a success, and as you mentioned, a bit of government support and good corporate support from Aon coming in too, which um, is is very very hard to find these days in any sport. Um, you know, a sponsor that's willing to put up and put their money where their mouth is. And, and uh, I think it's a fantastic uh, development. And, and um, hopefully we can see the Wallabies, uh, sorry, the, uh, well, the Australian women's sevens team stars sort of spread through the franchises. And the, the, the two that will be the most interesting for me are, are Tasmania and Adelaide, the two sort mm. of non-traditional yep. centres. But you've got to think, you know, for women's sport, they're really um, limitless potential because there's really, you know, the AFL is starting, but it's a, a very, very slow to start. And, um, in terms of it, certainly it's it's financial it's financial sides and and especially in in those 
non-traditional centres. So, look, the one that surprised me was seeing Sydney Uni not not uh, get a gig and, and wondering what the story is there because I know the uh, in the hottest sevens up in Darwin a few weeks ago, the Sydney Uni women's team ran our national women's team quite close. Um, well, that's interesting because so what I heard was they, they didn't... That, yeah, sorry to cut you off there, mate. What I'd heard is that they didn't actually apply and wanted to actually focus on strengthening their program before they went in because obviously this is a program can can uh, expand in future years but I wasn't aware of that result up in Darwin so that's interesting. Okay well yeah well I wasn't aware of that either but um, it shows you well it shows you the strength and depth that, that is in women's sevens rugby if there's unis that you know mm. uh, are almost queuing up to get in and, and hopefully that gives you a bit of a blueprint for expansion as we go forward because as we, we saw the, the Matt, you would have seen out, out there on the Saturday the way that the, uh, the those Australian women are received and they're becoming, you know, I saw them as I walked out at the end of the day out the front. There was a queue, you know, there was a real commotion around them, people taking selfies and Charlotte Caslick and Elliot Green and Shani Williams and these guys are all becoming, you know, real household names and, and that's something that you can really launch off, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, they are, you know, just fantastic uh poster women i guess uh for for that sport i mean you know you couldn't ask for a better group um to to do that um and so yeah and as far as this comp goes if you know if if it can galvanize and yeah get you know more women um you know into rugby full stop who otherwise may not have even you know thought about rugby then that's a real positive i think um you know, I think most people who've listened to this podcast know what I think about that being about a rescue for rugby. I don't think so. But, um, you know, as far as getting other people in the game who otherwise wouldn't have been there, um, yeah, that's it's it's fantastic. And especially, you know, we like as we like to say on this show, Reg, uh, we like to say nay FL. Um, <laughs> yeah, nay to nay FL, exactly. So, um, you know, if this can, uh, you know, because... It's been a bit uh, stomach churning um, the amount of positivity mm-hmm. that this that new AFL comp's been getting. So um, it's a bit much, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we can, yeah. So if we can uh, pull rugby back that way, and you know, I noticed there's no women's league going on. Um, I don't know if you guys saw there was some really interesting uh, the new Waratahs CEO, the uh, Kiwi guy, Andrew Hall. Yeah, during the week made some really interesting comments about how he was saying, you know, look, he doesn't actually see it as a competition between league and union anymore. Um, it, it's about rugby, it's about, you know, the brand of rugby um, versus AFL and soccer. Um, yeah, right. That, that's where the big fight is, actually. And because, you know, he thinks actually it's a pretty easy win against league and league is kind of running out of, out of a bit of puff. So, yeah. So yeah interesting, it, okay. And, and obviously, you know, they've, they've well, I'm not even aware if they've even got a women's offering. Um, I think they've said they're not going to start for another couple of years. Yeah, they don't yet. I think there's some little bibs and bobs going on, but not a, a proper competition as yet. Yeah, so, you know, well, an advance for us, and that's great. Well, and taking it back, Reg, I mean... I think the thing that we saw in in Sydney, and as we've seen with the development of women's sevens, that that that's the other nations are getting stronger and stronger. And I think mm. this comp really vital from a talent identification standpoint too, mm. because you've got to think there are you know for for the for the girls that we've got in our team, there's there's a lot out there still that are probably, and that's how we found the Elliot Greens and the Charlotte Caslicks in the first place. And you've got to think the more that we can uh, widen our our base and widen the net. Um, you've got to think there's some there's some sensational athletes out there that that uh, hopefully can be attracted in in through this university comp and and rise rise through the ranks. But isn't that the uniqueness of this model too? Is is the university angle to it? I mean, this has got to be the first competition, national competition in Australia, um, uh, that 
is run around universities. I know there's the Australian University Games, but I think even that's running its running its time soon. So what the ARU have done is is partnered with these commercial institutes that can deliver these programs, um, not putting the pressure on our traditional guys that we have in the NRC we've relied on, our, our club program to shell in more dollars for a, a, a high-level elite competition. We're partnering with universities now and we're creating this new pathway. I think it's really innovative and, and the, uh, you should be um, should commend it on this outcome. I think it's really uh, exciting, the, the development of the universities and would be fascinated to see where it takes us. Well, I mean, actually, because Greg Harris, the ex-CEO yep. of the Waratahs um, and of Sydney, you know, he, I think he was high up at Sydney Uni there and then he also yep. did force. Anyway, he would tell anyone who'd listened for a, a good number of years now that the NRC comp, he felt, should have been done like this. Um, that it should have been anchored in universities um, because it gives you an instant feeder both of, of, you know, the the right age of people, but also um, uh, facilities. So, most universities have pretty good sporting facilities these days. So, you know, rather than having a a club needing to do that. So, that was what he was always saying. So, yeah, interesting that they've adopted that system here. Yeah. That brilliant, good stuff. Looking forward to it. That'll be later in the year. Uh, let's get on to our last question, guys. And this is an, just a bit of a quirky one. So we, we we talked about Benny Barber, the the former Cronulla Shark, who's uh, got uh, axed by the club, I think, for uh, cocaine uh, positive tests. Um, has uh, signed with Toulon and will be there for supposedly two and a half years, a two and a half year contract. Um, Matt Gitto has uh, been informed that. Uh, he'll be leaving Toulon and he's actually signed a deal for I think at least this stage just a one year contract in Japan and then Adam Ashley Cooper has been advised that he won't be at Bordeaux anymore so I want to know we know contracts mean nothing in reality in, in this sort of game particularly French contracts Hugh where do you think each of those players will be in a year's time any of chance do you think any or all of them will be in Super Rugby oh no I'd be very surprised if any of them were in Super Rugby to be honest the most likely is probably Ashley Cooper because I feel like he might have a few years in him. I think Gitto is probably on the way out. And, and um, oh, Benny Barber. I mean, you know when you see a league player sign for Union and, and you think, oh, gee, that's a bit of a... That's, a, <laughs> that's ambitious. That's ambitious. Yep. And, and, you know, there's been a few where I've thought that, but no, none with the Will, same... Willie Mason. Like, I'm not, thing, I've yeah. never been... Willie Mason was one, but at least Willie Mason yep. was a big guy, so you felt yeah. like... Well, you know, he can probably put some hits on. Whereas Ben Barber, I've never been so certain that a player's going to fail in rugby. And I don't know, <laughs> it mystifies me. It totally mystifies me how Toulon uh, um, can sack um, Matt Gitto and bring in Ben Barber on a massive a contract. What, yeah. what planet are they on? I mean, uh, it's, it's a, Ben Barber is the, you know, the type of the body shape and the, and the sort of type of player he is. I don't know where he plays in you. No. He can't play. He hasn't got the skills for halfback. He doesn't play 10. He's probably going to end up at fullback. And, God, if I was in the opposing French side in the in the muddy fields of, of, of the south of France, being I'd be throwing up high ball after high ball and just getting your Mamuka Gore Godzes to churn, charge through and see how Benny Barber does under the high ball. And I, mate, they, I just, they, just, yeah, they didn't like Quaid's um, instinctive play, did they? And he's yeah. a lifelong rugby guy. So All that, Bar- Barber is completely instinctive, but it's instinctive league. He's going to be found out big time, I'd suggest. Mm. And so I think the answer to all three is in a year's time, I think they'll probably all be in Japan. Well, what about you, Matt? Any chance you're... Well, oh, no, I've got a sneaking suspicion. Gitto, well, mate. And he, he, no, he already, he's already signed. That's where he's off to. What? No, no. 
Gitto signed in Japan. Yeah, Ashley yeah. Cooper apparently took into London Welsh, I think, off the top of my head. Oh, really? That was uh, was reported this evening. Uh, okay, it wouldn't be... I don't think it's London Welsh, because I think they've just been banned. Uh, they've been really good, so it might be London Irish. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. who. Yeah, one of those, um, one of those lot, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it sounds like uh, it was... Re- so, I thought... Wasn't it Gitto's... Wasn't it his choice? Didn't he decide to move yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, whereas, I think AAC, it was a bit out of the blue. Um, yeah. And um, But I tell you, I think that little tactic that... Um, uh, you know, the... Oh, Checker? Yeah, Checker's been using. You can tell it's been yep. a long off-season. It's been all of, <laughs> all of six weeks. Um, that little tactic he's been using of pulling people back, yep. I think that might be paying off a bit. Um, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, you no, know, because I think I think that's what kind of devalued actually um, AAC because it's yep. like, well, you know, you're supposed to be our stalwart, mate, and you suddenly disappear for a good couple of months. Um, so that's interesting. Look, I tell you one thing is, I you know I don't think Drew Mitchell um, will be. I think isn't he rumoured to have been talking to super clubs here? Um, yes, I actually heard. Was it the? Oh, I think the Brumbies were chasing him because uh, one of their wingers got injured. Um, but I think he might have also been chatting to the Waratahs, but it was more the Brumbies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so look, well, those two are joined at the hip, so... Well, um, yeah, because, I mean, also the, the Brumbies need to replace Lely Afano too. Uh, I don't know if they've accurately done that as yet. I know Lely Afano's been named captain, but uh, yeah. he's unlikely to play this year, so Bernie would be like, Gitto back there. Yeah, exactly. Um, look, I haven't seen enough of Benny Barber um, to, to really comment where he's going to end up, but no, it just it feels like all those guys are kind of cycling back through and I think the French might be thinking twice about signing anybody who's sort of passed the gift mm-hmm. clause because I think that little tactic seems to have worked quite nicely yeah fair call um, alright guys good stuff well that'll probably wrap us up for the night I think I think we've done well there look we are going to be back next week I think we've got to do uh, some super rugby previews looking at the five Australian sides over the next couple of year, weeks and probably completely ignoring uh, the other international teams. Um, like we have the Six Nations tonight. It's all green and gold. Um, Matt, anything else to who wrap won us up, that? Who, who, who won the Six Nations? Well, Ireland lost, didn't they, to Scotland? Yeah. Uh, Ireland did lose to Scotland and England, uh, Benny Teo scored a try in the last minute to get England across the line against France. They were losing and um, Italy crashed. Yeah. 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 Maybe the other thing just to mention is that it looks like there's been a bit of um, interesting development there with the uh, World Rugby calendar. The global calendar, yeah. Yeah, where, I mean, it looks like there's been a bit of horse trading going on there where um, obviously there was a big stalemate where we wanted to kind of was it we wanted to move uh, Super Rugby um, back a month or so, um, or move the inbound tours back so that you could, Super Rugby could finish um, and maybe um, tweak when those autumn tours were. Um, but this, the Northern clubs were saying, you know, can't be bothered. But this little deal, which is the extending the qualification period out to five years, seems to be mm. the thing that we've used as the bargaining chip. Um, so, and that might be that might be breaking the, the stalemate there, which. You know, that'd be quite good if we could finally get some sense out of that, um, you know, that, that, that global... The season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and maybe we can finally get it so that we get absolutely no rest in between. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Which is we might have to have a, uh, a, a B-team podcast team. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so, but, yeah, on the weekend, yeah, I saw that the... Poms just squeaked past the French. Um, yep. There was a lot of penalty goals going around. And, I mean, I only just saw the highlights of it. 
the uh, Welsh did the Italians, didn't they? And, yeah, and pretty comfortably. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it's, it's Scots. And then the Scots the reasonably confidently over yeah over the Irish as well. Well, what, what was the sort of margin there? I didn't even see the score. I couldn't tell you unless you heard some clicking in the background. Um, <laughs> oh, actually, there is a new blog post on Green and Gold Rugby with a wrap-up for the weekend. So oh, uh, I will keep you all in suspense, and you guys can go click there and, and find out the score. Um, but, yeah. Cool. Yep. All right, well, that wraps up, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we shall uh, catch you all next week. Enjoy the rugby this weekend.